I'm Anya, and I spent decades compartmentalizing and suppressing the different parts of myself. I woke up at age 40 exhausted, confused, and completely out of alignment. These days, I am definitely not your run-of-the-mill bored housewife. So if you are tired of the shame narrative around sex and pleasure, and you're ready to be all facets of yourself, let's create sexual alchemy. This is a Soulfire production. Hello, hello, hello. It's so good to be here today, and I'm feeling really inspired and excited because I'm recording this intro, and we recorded this episode on March 8th, which is International Women's Day. And I just want to say a happy International Women's Day to every femme-identifying individual out there. I know that this episode is coming out a couple of weeks later, but it's never, ever, ever too often to celebrate all of the amazing women in our lives and in this world. And with the focus that I have this year on my own self-development, on my own reclamation, and on my own journey. I just feel very in touch with and inspired by women who support other women. And I know I've done a fair amount of talking on this show and will continue to do a lot of talking about an initiative that my darling, amazing friend Scarlett and I are launching here very soon called Slut Sisters. And just as a reminder, that stands for sexually liberated, unshamed, and transformed women or femme-identifying folk. And we welcome all of that at the table of our slut sisterhood. And this conversation that I had today with Joe Portia Mayari is just another extension of the beautiful work that women are doing in this world. I don't know if you follow Joe or not. She's got a fun following on Instagram and she has been in the space for a long time, but she's transitioned over the years into doing different work. And today she is a conscious sex and relationship coach. And the work that she does is just so incredibly inspiring. And her own story is incredibly inspiring. Joe's been through a lot in her life. And she has risen and risen and risen again through it all. And so she shares that story with us today, and she also shares so much of her heart as it pertains to raising humans, raising her daughters in this day and age, when we can make a choice to raise our humans into adults in the same way that we were raised, or do we do it differently? And it's not a judgment. It's just about what is and isn't in alignment for you as a parent and what works for you. But but I really enjoyed this conversation because as somebody who is consciously trying to raise humans into adults who have respect for themselves and their boundaries and the world around them and others, it is just really great to commune with another parent who is on a journey that is similar. So without further ado, dig in, sit back, enjoy this conversation with Joe, and I hope you have as much fun listening to it as I had having it. Have a beautiful day. 
I mean, I love how we're starting off this conversation with some grounding and some clearing because some days you just have to. You just have so, to. So literally moments before this, my teenage daughter, love her to pieces and to death. But one of the things that I'm learning as a mother to teenagers is that I am no longer raising children. Yeah. I'm raising adults, right? Like I am fashioning adults. And so the relationship that has to show up for both of us to be able to be conscious and aware of growth and expansion and all of that stuff and moving forward is I have to see her as an adult. Amen. And it is challenging as fuck, especially (laughs) when they are driving you crazy about a certain thing or a way they behave. And it's like that moment where you're having to assert boundaries, but there are different kind of boundary. They're now totally. boundaries on, I am not allowing you to treat me or behave in this manner. And if you do, the consequences that you are going to be receiving are those of ones that usually adults receive. Yeah. And they're natural consequences. You know, like I couldn't even fashion these if I tried. Like, it's like, I can't take away your phone or I can't ground you. Like that's not even the thing anymore. It's like, you are going to sit in the discomfort of the disconnection of our relationship for the mistreatment that you are treating me in, in this moment. Yeah. And I'm also not accepting your apology because I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm not ready for it. So. I love it. I think I I completely get what you're saying because I was having this conversation last night with my 12-year-old and what I was hearing from them is like, everything you say and do right now annoys me. So could you just please leave me the fuck alone? He didn't say that. (laughs) They didn't say that to me, but that's exactly what I was feeling. And I just looked at them and I said, you know, I have a feeling that no matter what I say or do tonight, it's not going to be the right thing. So I'm going to give you some space and I will see you in the morning. (laughs) You know, and they were like, okay. <laughs> they aren't ready for it when we see that they need some space and like allow them to disengage. And that's that's what I needed to do for them last night. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a different beast. And there's like no fucking rule book uh-uh. <laughs> on raising teenagers in well, this day and age. And, and doing it in the way that... From what I gather, having been a follower of yours for years and just kind of knowing the space that we're both moving within, we're not looking to parent by the rule books of of both what you just said in this day and age, but yesteryear, or there's plenty of people who are parenting today that aren't doing it in a way that would align for me. And so to do it in a way that aligns for me, but also doesn't drive me crazy... (laughs) They don't, they're not always in harmony, those two things. No, no. So it's funny because I'm just like, I was sitting in the car on the way back after dropping one of them to school and I thought to myself, am I doing this right? Am I, am I doing this right? Is this the right consequence? Did I leave the house telling them that they can't, I I will not bring them to work if they continue to behave this way. And if they continue to yell at me this way, treat me this way, was that the right consequence? And I'm just like, I think it was, but I'm really not sure because nobody else around me can actually give me that feedback. Right. No, totally. I mean, oh. we 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 need our tribes and we have them, but the, they aren't always there for us too in the same season of life that we are in, you know? Totally. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I appreciate the ability to... Uh, <laughs> 
clear Absolutely. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I was just starting, you know, before we came in with some, you know, a few deep breaths as well and just kind of clearing my space. So feel free to do that uh, while, yeah, no. while we start this. I, I connected with my breath in the car, but this I just needed to like, poof, like yeah. vent a little bit, you know? <laughs> totally. Sometimes nothing does the trick like a little vent session. A little vent session. Mm. And I pulled a couple cards for us this morning. I have this beautiful, beautiful deck. I don't know if you've heard of this one. This one's called the Field Tarot. Mm. And um, it's just got beautiful, like very watercolory images. And so the two cards that I have pulled, one cups. is Three of Cups, Friendship, and one I think is seven of mm. wands and it's valor and it's mm. these beautiful powerful women um you know so we'll see where that leads us in this conversation yeah. too i mean what a wonderful pull on international women's day <laughs> amen yes we're recording this on international women's day happy yeah. international women's day to well, you thank Jill. you happy international women's day to you too my love <laughs> yeah thank you well, here we are. This is a conversation that we really haven't had in the making for a long time, but it's one that has been on my mind for a long time. So I'm so mm -hmm. grateful that it worked out. And you are one of the women that I would have always wanted to have come on the show. And I just decided one day to bite the bullet and reach out and say, you know what? You don't get what you don't ask for. And I did it. I reached out and just said, hey, this is the show. The work that you're doing is so inspiring to me. And I know that your work has evolved a lot over the years. You've done lots of different things and you talk about that very openly. But where you are right now moving within the space of sexual empowerment, sexual healing, coaching women coming into their own power, it's just such an alive piece for me right now in my own life. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear what brought you to this point. I mean, you're very generous sharing your heart, but obviously you've got a private life too, and you share a lot with your with your people. But I'd really love for you to, to walk us through a little bit of the journey that you have had coming to this point in your life. Mm, first off, thank you for the invitation to that. I think... My story in terms of how I arrived to become a conscious sex and relationship coach or who I am today is was hell of a was one hell of a journey and is still one hell of a journey. Um, I like to kind of start the story kind of way back because it gives a little bit of context. I was molested at eight years old by a family friend. And at the time when I thought something was wrong, something happened that wasn't supposed to happen. I went and told my parents and they denied me that like that was something that I, that I experienced. And I didn't have the language mm -hmm. at eight years old to say, this is the thing that was happening. It was just, I remember speaking about it and it was like, you know, uncle so-and-so did X, Y, Z this, but like, I didn't have the framework or the words. And of course it was like, my parents looked at me confused and they just were like, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sure he didn't do something like that. I'm, you know, like whatever, being just very dismissive. Mm -hmm. My parents are also immigrants and my entire family is immigrants. So I was, I am first generation Filipino American. My, my mom was pregnant with me at eight months when she decided to cross the Pacific Ocean and also the U.S., to go to New York and have a New York baby that I guess was her dream. Um, <laughs> and so really kind of my story starts there. And when I was 15 years old, 
experimenting with relationships and love and trying to understand my own body. I unfortunately found myself in a situation where I was raped by my ex-boyfriend and that led me to a suicide attempt about six months later. So I kind of start with that framework because I, after the suicide attempt and going into therapy um, at 16 years old and really kind of unpacking that, uh, therapy was such a, a place of healing for me. That's where I found myself. That's where I was able to differentiate from my family and also learn to look at them in a way of acceptance, love, and also without blame, even though so much of me at the time wanted to just blame their existence for everything that happened to me. Um, looking back now or like how this journey kind of evolved, I became a mom at 21 years old Hmm. unexpectedly. And when I became a mother at 21 years old, I basically said to myself, I made a promise to myself that if I was going to raise daughters, I'm going to give them the tools that I never had in order to feel empowered about their body in order to be able to speak up for themselves, in order to be able to love themselves deeply and to just raise them in a way that my parents and my family didn't raise me. And so that's kind of where that portion of like the foundation of that story started. And throughout my career life, I have been a hairstylist uh, for 10 years. After that, I became a director of community for a startup called Visco for about six years. That's where I started Uh, people managing and kind of developing my skills on empowering employees and learning how to like be in that space with also the obsession that I felt from learning about people's stories, being able to hear about people's relationships behind the chair, being able to be someone's quote unquote therapist as a hairstylist, because oftentimes hairstylists are the ones that keep everyone's secrets, right? And after my own personal wellness journey and self-love journey started in 2013, uh, it was kind of like a reclamation of my body. At the time, I was about 28 years old, I think, completely dissatisfied with my life. Um, I was getting burned out, but I wasn't I wasn't wanting to label that I was burnt out. And I also wasn't taking care of myself because God forbid a woman take care of herself these days. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh, I do. we have to be spread super thin. And, you know, at the time it was like, why am I complaining about my life? I have this incredible role at this startup. I'm married. I have two kids. I have a dog. I literally have the American fucking dream. And I was still pretty unhappy. And what I realized was that I was so disconnected with my original essence. I was disconnected with my body. I wasn't taking care of myself because the stories of what I had to do as a woman was serve everybody else around me before I can serve myself. Mm. So that journey began for me. Three years into the journey, uh, roughly around 2016, I left my corporate job in order to go pursue uh, a career in integrated wellness because I just... I was like, how do I take the pieces of what I'm learning in wellness and fitness and taking care of my whole self and bring that to the world in a way where it is, it's integrative. It's not just about what you eat or how you move, but literally about how you're looking at every dimension of your life. And through that journey, as I just started my coaching, as I started kind of being in the online 
online place as a wellness blogger or wellness influencer, whatever the fuck you want to call that title. Mm-hmm. It's really fun for me. Yeah. Um, you know, people started coming to me and were like, oh my God, you're so strong. I admire you, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, if you only knew yeah. the parts of my story that I keep so packed away because I don't know if people can handle that. I don't know if you can look at me and know that my story had so much trauma literally in the first 20 years of my life and say, I still see you as this empowered woman. Like I didn't want to be seen as a victim. Yeah. But because of that like pressure of being strong, because of that pressure of being empowered, because of all of that, I was like, fuck this. I'm letting this out. I'm talking about the domestic violence that happened in my household. I'm talking about the the sexual abuse that I've experienced because if no one else is going to talk about it, then sure as hell I will. Yeah. Because there's hope, right? There's hope to be able to see somebody still accomplish life through all the shadows and and still find a way to be successful on their own terms. So after I started sharing a little bit more about my personal story, my coaching naturally evolved into where it was today. Women started to open up and share with me certain incidents that would happen to them or things that did happen to them. And it was very clear that it was very clear for me that what happened to me in the first 20 now looking back 30 something years of my life, 38 years of my life happened for a reason so that I could hold space and also help guide women to heal in the spaces that unfortunately right now, we don't have very many spaces like that where women can feel safe and brave and courageous to be like, here's what I really want, or Mm -hmm. here's what I really fear, or here's what happened to me in my body. Here's how I view my body because of sexual trauma. Here's how I view myself because of sexual trauma. Here's how I view myself because my parents abandoned me emotionally or how I view myself because I was in a toxic relationship. And so, you know, how I arrived here really was a lifetime journey. Yeah. And there was a part of an awakening within me that happened in 2016 and 2018. It was a moment where I was like, holy shit. I, I'm also a woman. Like I, I've spent my entire adult life being someone else's mother and caretaker, my two kids and, you know, my, my now ex-husband. And it was like, I have an identity outside of that, outside of my home, outside of my career. I have me. And it was that kind of awakening of like, wait, what does this mean? What does it mean for me to experience pleasure in my body? What does it mean for me to say, no, that doesn't feel good to me in these relationships? What does it mean for me to say, this is what I want? Mm. And so it was really that kind of awakening that happened in like 2016 and then that full-blown kind of like pleasure sexual awakening in 2018 where I was like, holy shit, this is what I've been hiding from myself. Yeah. Because I was afraid. I was well, afraid that it was, I, w- I was afraid that somebody else was going to harm it. Like you needed to protect it. I needed to protect it. Nobody else protected it in those first 20 years. Well, I was going to say your life experience had shown you My that you need to protect it. Yeah. 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 And when you feel that for the first time, 
I mean, you tell me, I can imagine it felt discombobulating. It felt all these different things. But when you feel the full force of your own life force energy and like your own sexual power, wow. Yeah, I I love that you say discombobulating because the image that comes to mind is like a deer that's like standing up for the first time and she's just fumbly, right? She wants to be really graceful with this, but it's like, oh, I don't know. Like this is, this is a new way of being. And are these my arms? Are these my legs? Or is this my hair? Is this, what (laughs) is all of this? So it was, you know, a feeling of yes, empowerment, because it was like, holy shit, this is what it feels like to have you know, some described as like a kundalini awakening. Totally. Right. And, you know, others will describe it as like a fucking, I don't know, like a, um, a, a wrecking ball hitting a building. <laughs> it's like one or the other. <laughs> and they're both Either, right and, and they're both wrong. Right. Yeah. 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 And they're both welcomed, right? Both yeah. experiences are welcomed. And yeah, it was, it was both. It was pretty much both for me. And to have that within the context of, you know, at the time, you know, you can tell tell me and tell us in terms of your timeline, but I suspect that was, you know, kind of still wrapped within the context of, of a monogamous marriage. But you have mm-hmm. talked about, you know, kind of your own explorations through opening, opening that container up into, you know, non-monogamy and things like that. But the framework up until that point in your life had been so... You know, you, you've described your upbringing as the child of immigrants and things like that. I mean, all of these things that you're experiencing are so not the frame of reference that you've been given in life. And it's also probably quite like, okay, I'm here for this feeling, but the people who surround me, my family, my community, like, what are they, you know, what are they going to think and say about all of this? Was there that element happening for you too? 1000%. I mean, growing up and, you know, when I think about, when I think about my sexuality, when I think about my uh, ideals of relationship, I never thought monogamy was for me. Mm-hmm. And I went down that road because I thought that's what I had to do. You know, I mean, so much of that pressure of also, also so much of the pressure of being a daughter of immigrants, right? It's like, do the right thing. This is what you need to do. You need to get a job. You need to get, you know, good health care. Mm-hmm. Find, find a man, get a job, f- find good health care. And then like, that is it. <laughs> like yeah. that is it Success, for your life. Pinnacle. Done. Okay. Right. And I yeah. just was like, wow, that can't be life for me. And so I've always felt that, you know, even, even when I was younger, I've always felt that I was being stuffed into a box that didn't fit. And the entire part, the entire existence of my life has been about rebelling out of that box and seeking truth, no matter what degree it's going to cause me. But that was just what I needed to do. And yeah, there has been some pushback about all of the choices that I've made in my life. There's been pushback about being a mom at 21. There was a pushback about not being married before having a kid. And there is pushback about being married. There is so much pushback even on like the different career choices that I've had. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow, how can I be myself when the rest of the world is telling me that all of my life choices are shitty. And when it came to my sexuality, I remember thinking to myself, like, why is it okay that 
you know, in our society, men can have multiple partners and get celebrated for that and get all these high fives. Like he's a player, he's this or that. But yet when a woman does it or when a vulva bodied human being does it, she's a slut. And mind you, this is like, I'm 38 years old. So this is like the narratives I heard when I was, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Some of it is still the same now. Like it's, it's evolving and shifting and changing, but these were the narratives back then. And I remember being in my marriage thinking to myself, like this, you know, this can't be it if we can't keep evolving in the spaces of sex, if we can't keep evolving in the spaces of love, mm-hmm. um, what else is there more to experience and how can we experience that? So when we opened up our marriage in 2018, it was um, a really like an exploration of trying to learn about the pieces of ourself that we haven't expressed yet or the pieces of ourself that wasn't safe to express in that relationship container. And how yeah. can we bring that into the relationship container? At least that was my intention for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, another discombobulating experience opening up your marriage. I've, I've been through that experience as well. And it, <laughs> it can lead lots of different places, you know, and so you never know where it will lead. And I, one of the things that I really loved to, and, you know, we don't need to talk much about this, but one of the ways that I really related to how you talked about kind of uncoupling of your life, you know, with your husband at the time, um, you know, just in a, in a really conscious way of like, yeah, like this doesn't mean failure because we decided to open our marriage and we don't desire to live in this container any longer together. That's not a failure. Like, and it's not because of non-monogamy. Like, that's not why this isn't working. You know, that, that there are lots of other reasons that marriages end up deciding that that season is over and that it's passed. And like, I think that's one of the things as somebody who is non-monogamous as well, you know, people will always take the quote unquote failure of a relationship as proof that things like non-monogamy are going to break you. And it's like, oh, there's a lot of things that break, (laughs) quote unquote, break relationships. And so I I just really want to like kind of reflect for you that as somebody who was watching from the sidelines as you were carrying yourself through this, like, it it was it was helpful to hear you say that because that's right when I was opening my marriage up, mm. um, and and it was just something that was like yeah like things are going to rise and fall in life and it is not going to be because of one thing that you know that relationships may not ultimately sustain. Yeah, and you know I think one thing to like add to that is like the fluidity of relationships, right? Like relationships have the ability to evolve, ebb and flow, shift and change depending on the needs. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes when we get stuck into the mindset of um, you know, monogamy, it's that like this has to be it and that's mm-hmm. like all that is in terms of just like even the even the needs, the values, those types of things. And so, you know, it's not to say that a monogamous relationship can't grow and evolve. And it's not to say that a non-monogamous relationship can stay stagnant, right? right? Like all, all of those things can definitely coexist. And I think, you know, when it comes to when relationships need to transition, like I kept yeah. using the word transition yeah. because that's what, I needed in terms of the language to help me like realize like, okay, this is just a transitioning of something. We're, 
we're always going to be in a container of sorts. And how that looks like is dependent really about the two people who are in it. That's always going to be a transition no matter what. Absolutely. Amen. So shifting into something that I was reading that you wrote recently, um, all within the same vein of this beautiful exploration of embodiment and sexuality, you wrote a piece um, around archetypes and this particular archetype that you were describing and embodying was the eroticism of motherhood or, or the erotic mother was the archetype. Mm. And I would love to hear a little bit more from your perspective. Obviously, we started this beautiful conversation <laughs> out talking about how crazy our children can make us. Yet still, we're here to raise these beautiful humans into adults. And we're, as you said, raising adults. And there's so much that they're going to be picking up from us. Mm. And we can choose to embody the same things that have been embodied for generations <laughs> that brought us to where we have been in our own lives, or we can do this differently. And what you were talking about was so intentional and so beautiful. I would love for you to share that with my listeners. Yeah. So the erotic mother is this archetype that shows up in my work a lot with clients and also shows up in my own personal work and practice for myself. And Part of the reason, or I guess part of the discovery of getting into the relationship with that archetype was um, trying to let me pull let me let me think about how I want to uh, phrase this. As I was separating from my ex-husband, there is there was a part of me, or there is still a part of me that is emerging in this process. And through the emergence or the rebirth of this process, there were lots of me that I felt like, holy shit, am I destroying these parts that once were alive towards the end of my marriage? And what are these parts of me that are also coming alive now? And also, how do I integrate them? Mm. How do I integrate them? Mm. And, you know, in the work of Carl Jung, like he talks a lot about archetypes and shadow work and all that stuff. And so we can see these different archetypes within us, like subpersonalities or different parts of us that, again, are either our subconscious parts, unconscious parts, whatever we want to label it that makes sense to us. To me, I just think these are the different sides of me that I haven't quite yet met or haven't quite met yet. Mm -hmm. So the erotic mother was, or for me is this, this, this woman who is filled with just arrows, mm. a complete life force that is self-sustaining because she is creating it from her own power, her own divinity, her own sexual energy, her own sensual eroticism. And the container of that, the container of all that is the mother. And so if this life force that gets to flow within is like the feminine, um, the feminine flowy water and mother is a structural, like quote unquote masculine exterior of it all, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. here are these two pieces that need to come together. And the reason why that was so important for me to come together in this portion of my life, in this, I guess, uh, motherhood 2.0, so to speak, after mm -hmm. the divorce, is that I had a chance after this divorce to show up as a different version of me. Yeah. 
I also have a chance to show up as a different version of mother. And so who is that mother that I wanted to show up as? And to me, it was like, it is going to be the mother who is open about her sexuality, who is embracing her sexuality, who's unafraid to talk about their bodies in this household, who is unafraid of placing boundaries when needed, who's unafraid of also holding her pleasure sacred to her own containment. And what I mean by pleasure is not just like the sexual pleasure, but the pleasures that women keep as part of their own as part of their own pieces within their own like essence, mm-hmm. right? Like the things that bring you joy. And I didn't want to be fragmented anymore. I didn't want my eroticism or my joy or my laughter to be kept only for certain places or for only for certain like viewment and entertainment. I mm-hmm. wanted that to be something that my kids could also see and experience in terms of just what brings me life. And most importantly, I wanted my kids to see a woman, a, an example of a woman in their home who was choosing pleasure over sacrifice, over servitude, over submissiveness. I wanted them to see a woman who said, this is what brings me joy. This is what turns me on. And I'm going to always be responsible for my own turn on and for my needs. So if if your kiddos were sitting with us now and and their ages by the way too right i think are somewhere early teens and kind of progressing toward like 17 18 yeah so iris is 17 about to be 18 in okay. 2 months okay and live right now is 12 okay so i assume that these are conversations just knowing that you have so many conversations with them what what do they say about Joe 2.0, mom (laughs) 2.0? Like I have to suspect that they see this difference in you and that you name it and that you're talking about it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, My daughter was the one who photographed the photos in that piece for Nick. Oh, wow. Okay. And the other day we went to this really cool consignment shop in a city that's really close to us that happened to be for teen advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this like this, yeah, this really awesome store was all about teen advocacy. And we were talking about their mission in the store to the shop owners and the, the girl that was working in the store. And um, of course the shop owner was like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a conscious sex and relationship coach. And the teenager who was working there was like, oh, my God, my friend wants to do that. And my daughter turned and was like, wait a second. Really? That's so cool. I've never heard of a teenager like somebody my age who wants to get into something like that. Yeah. And, you know, my my daughter, I remember this other incident when we were having pizza we had we had hosted a pizza party for like Liv's middle school friends and one of the moms comes along and picks up their kids and Iris and I and the mom were all talking and the mom of course was like what do you do and I was like ah I'm a conscious sex and relationship coach um and I you know giggly say I help women have orgasms and Iris was like no there that's not all you do Mm -hmm. you help women get in tune with themselves 
you help them know their truth, you help them stand up for themselves, and you help them heal from trauma. And I was like, Mm. that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to just let them do this for me from now on. (laughs) Let them speak for me. Um, So, you know, we don't talk directly about what I do or to what I do per se here in this house. But what I constantly hear from my teenager or from Iris is, mom, you're kind of like the mom in sex ed. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, but I'm not white with blonde hair. (laughs) Just doing it with my own flavor. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think we celebrate it. And I think the beauty of it is that what I get to see is if I'm, you know, running out of the bathroom and I happen to be naked, mm-hmm. my kids walk in the door and it's not like anything is wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I grew up in a household where if I accidentally walked in on my mom, just because I needed to grab something from her bedroom or whatever, my mom immediately would like cl- clothe herself and like, oh my God, what are you doing? Get out of here. Like, yeah. And I remember those feelings of like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. I walked in on, I didn't know you were doing that thing. Right. And so for it to be a natural ability, like for it to feel natural to celebrate our bodies in just the way that it is in that present moment here in this house without having to talk about it or be weird about it. Like I, that to me is what I love the most because there's a different feeling of acceptance that we have about who we are here. And it's beautiful. It is so beautiful and inspiring even for me. Yeah. And I assume that it feels a little differently now. Like you have created one of the things that I just wrote down. One of the things that I really admire about you, at least from the outside looking in, is that you are very intentional about cultivating your life Mm -hmm. in terms of like really only allowing, you've got perceivably, You've got good boundaries. You only allow the positive in that you want to accept in within your space. And then, you know, you keep outside of that, like everything that doesn't belong, right? Like that's what boundaries are meant to do for us. They're meant to give us all the freedom and room to play within the walls and containers that we deem within our boundaries. And then outside of that, everything else gets to be there. But but that also you are not just cultivating you're cultivating your space, you're cultivating your relationship with your children, you're cultivating your your profession, you're cultivating things and basically saying, yeah, this is like you've manifested like all of this beautiful stuff for yourself and we still have messy. We started out the conversation talking about the shit moments that we have, but like the fact that that is something that you can pass on to your children and they are seeing that and they are able to give voice to it and talk about it with other people. I just, I just want to reflect for you that that is something Mm -hmm. that is, is pretty phenomenal. And I don't think a lot of children in this world are growing up with that. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I remember being younger and constantly saying, to myself, like, fuck, I am a trauma breaker. Like I am somebody who breaks fucking trauma cycles. And this is exhausting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's Mm -hmm. so exhausting to do that. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate the affirmation and the reflection. I, I can see it in them. You know, I can see it in 
the way in which, you know, my 17-year-old allowed me to guide her through a practice that I oftentimes guide my clients through when it comes to healing family family dynamics or the integration of inner feminine and inner masculine work in that session. Mm-hmm. And I remember like ending that session thinking to myself, holy fuck, my 17-year-old just let me, like felt safe enough to allow me the permission to guide her through this process. If I end up dying tomorrow, which I hope I don't, I gave her the tools that she needs to heal. Yeah. I gave her the tools that she needs to be able to look at some of the most tragic parts of her life and and witness it within her own embodiment and get into a relationship to it and then figure out a way to feel empowered by whatever it is inside of her, an archetype. I mean, in that work with my daughter, we discovered that her inner masculine shows up as a horse. Ooh. And so I was like, great baby like what are the qualities of that horse that you want to embody and how do you keep showing up as that beautiful strong horse right you know so yeah i mean it's it's just it's just magical it's it's been magical when i can slow down and be very present with it yeah which yeah. is hard. I mean, we all live I life. Mean. Life is, you know, not an Instagram reel. We know we're that. Always, right? we we're always raising kids. <laughs> right. We're in it. And we're in we're our in own it. work too, you know? I mean, yeah. it's never done. I think the thing that inspires me about watching the generations behind us do this work is that they're getting their, you know, I'm 45 doing a lot of this work now. I see my niece who inspires the hell out of me doing it at 25, you know, and then I see my son doing, starting to do this at 12. And I'm like, the world's going to be in better hands. (laughs) The people who are coming through and who are going to be leading the next generations and the next generations, they've got this. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the things that I feel like is, one of the things I want to add in, in terms of that is just when... A, and I'm just going to use the word mother, even though I understand that's very gendered. Um, but when a mother or a vulva-bodied human being who happens to be a parent, there we go, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. can accept and embrace and fully embody her eroticism and also yes. marry it into parenthood, you get to cultivate a different, a different space for your children to be able to come to acceptance of the parts of themselves as they are as they are journeying through trying to figure out their own identity and learn to love it in the messiness. Mm. And I guess I'm reflecting after the things that you were saying about just our future children. And I don't know if my 12-year-old, had I not been able to find a way to embody the erotic mother within me, to find a way to be speaking about sex openly and safely in a, in a, in a way that is loving, um, for the people around me, even in my house, like it's going to be age appropriate, Mm -hmm. but I am going to speak to them about sexual identity and I'm going to speak to them about, you know, boundaries and consent and the things that really matter in terms of how to respect their body in this stage. I don't know if Liv would have been able to come out to me and say, mom, I'm a pansexual mom. I'm non-binary. Mom, Mm -hmm. my pronouns are they, them. 
I, I, I think if I, if I didn't have a level of acceptance for who I am as a woman and as a sexual creature, I don't think my kids would have been able to attune to that level of truth inside of me. So like for anyone listening who is in this place of like, what are my kids going to think? What's my partner going to think? What's the world going to think? They're going to think that you're radiant and magnetic as fuck is what they're going to think. Because that energy is beautifully seductive, not to the people, but to the parts of that person that have lost and unreclaimed parts of themselves that they have yet met. That's what you get to reflect back. You get to reflect back a mirror that is so fucking bright that someone gets to say, wow, this part inside of me that I'm so unsure of, I want to get to know more of because if that person has gotten into a relationship with this part that is often shamed and filled with fear, then maybe, maybe I can just say hi to that part of me today. And that's it. And that's where you start the relationship. Yeah. One step at a time. One step at a time. Joe, what a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much You're for so being welcome. here. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything that you want to share about work that's alive for you right now? Anything you want to point people toward or, or talk about? Yeah, I am going to be launching, I think, later on in the summer, the Bougie Bruja Club, which is Uh, going to be... I do want to talk about the Bougie Bruja. (laughs) Let's talk about the Bougie Bruja. So um, I am going to be launching the Bougie Bruja Club, which is going to be a iteration of experiential group coaching containers, uh, intimate group coaching containers. Each series is going to be working on a specific area in their life. One is going to be, the first one is going to be all about emotional empowerment. The second one is all, is all of, is all centered around body compassion and self love. Mm. The third one is going to be all about sensuality and sexuality. I mean, let's be real. Sexuality is going to be weaved into all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one is going to be kind of centered around that. And the last iteration of that is going to be all about money. And mm. so we are going to have so much fun with the, the, the series. I'm still kind of developing that's still in beta. So if people are curious and wanting to learn more, um, you can head to my website. It's joeportia.com, J-O-P-O-R-T-I-A.com, um, where you can just email me and just say, hey, heard about this thing, heard you're on beta, would love to learn a little bit more just to get on the list and in the club. Um, yeah. Cause as soon as that launches, I'll, you know, open up and share a little bit more, but it's going to be a mixture of theory of embodiment of community and celebration and also space of healing to be able to heal these parts of us that, you know, we are kind of stuck with. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I've been really just focusing a lot of the direction of my work is working intimately one-on-one with my clients Mm-hmm. I had group coaching before, uh, but this year I decided to do a lot more focus in one-on-one with the exception of the Bougie Bruja Club that's going to be launching. Um, but 
the one-on-one containers that I've been developing have just been so beautiful. So if anybody's interested in working one-on-one, I have a few more spots left for 2022. And yeah, you can also find that information on my website. Amazing. Uh, Well, I am so appreciative of you. I'm so appreciative of the work that you're doing, of how you show up in the space and, you know, show up for women. And I'm just so grateful that we had this time together. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Mm, No, no. I mean, that's it. You know, my, my heart is really kind of just in this devotional space. Um, And it's, it's been really incredible. I, I think one of the things that I just want to add is like this work. I know that like for a lot of people talking about sex, talking about your de- desires can be really frightening because you haven't had spaces to do it before. Yeah. But for anyone who's listening and who is curious and, you know, wants to be in that place, I just want you to know that by speaking about your sexuality, by learning how to embrace it, by acknowledging your wants, your needs, and your desires, especially if you happen to be a woman, a mother, or a person with a vulva, you are breaking intergenerational trauma simply by talking about sex, simply by opening up the conversation, and you are healing generations before you and in front of you by doing that work. So as scary as that work might feel like, because maybe you have never had any examples of somebody who's done that work, know that you're doing something so fucking important, so fucking important. And so are you for this podcast. So thank you for Mm -hmm. having a space like this. Yeah, these conversations are such a pleasure for me. Um, I just, I get to learn so much and we get to share so much with others. And so it's exactly what it's about so that people are doing this work and are not feeling alone and are able to kind of keep that energy moving and passing it on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. You're so very welcome. Welcome. 